everyone and welcome to the eighth episode of Project Studio Tea Break. Here I am, I'm Mike Senior with computer, computer, composer and musical director <laughs> John Witten. That's the second time I've mucked up that intro. We're not starting it? again. I like this. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome. Have you ever been a computer before? Well, I am now. I'm going on my website and announcing Business my... cards are being printed as we speak. <laughs> computer is slightly fancier than a composer. I get paid more and wear black turtlenecks. I mean, maybe it's slightly more technological than a composer. Ooh, a computer. A computer. I quite like that. I see myself standing very upright and having slicked back hair mm. and dead eyes. It's a bit craft work, isn't it? It is a bit craft work. I just realised that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to describe. So what have you been up to this month, John? What have I been up to this month? It must have been something, because, you know, 30-odd <laughs> days have passed. Well, this is the freelance lifestyle, so it doesn't, nothing necessarily <laughs> needs to have happened. Oh, that was it. You might have just sat in front of YouTube in your boxer shorts all, all month. If we did this weekly, then the updates would be a lot more like that. But no, okay, month. <laughs> I just had, had to peek through my calendar there. I've been doing various bits of remote recording. Oh, very good. Which is like being a musician without seeing any humans or meeting people. What kind of rig do you use? Do you just like a laptop and some mics? Or? Laptop and some mics and and the instruments are here. So you like recording your own stuff or are you recording um, other people's things? No, recording for other people. Oh, cool. So there, there are some producers who, out of charity, I suppose, <laughs> um, occasionally get in touch and say, could you do something like this? In fact, okay, so I had, I'd play Hammer Dulcimer as loyal fans of the, know, of the show will know. It's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had a request through to do a, a version of a randomised arpeggiator live. Okay. Okay, so... so Live? No, thankfully, I got to record it and edit it. Otherwise, <laughs> wouldn't have been nearly so smooth. I mean, surely that is the dream gig, just be random live. Well, so I worked on it for a while because it was all like octaves and fifths, over three octaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a... I'm also a vocalist, incidentally, if anyone's yeah. anyone's hiring. <laughs> and he said it doesn't have to be exactly that, but basically more or less that. And I spent a little while trying to kind of find the musical logic inside the part. Hmm. And then I realised what he wanted me to do was to hit the random notes, uh, kind of quaver rhythm. And, and oh, I see. That, that's what we got. We just got John hitting random notes for a while. Misunderstanding about the word random. Yeah. There's some kind of poetic irony there. I don't know quite, quite what. <laughs> The state of music in the modern day and probably something to do with politics. Yeah. How about you, Mike? What have you been up to? Well, I have a bone to pick with you because... Ooh, exciting. I've had some very strange looks in a cinema recently. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm a big fan of those big CGI blockbuster things. Right. Now, I love going to big screen cinemas, sitting really quite close to the front because I love the <laughs> peripheral vision being filled up and to get that kind of immersive experience. Right. And so um, last month I went to see Venom. Okay, that's Naughty Spider-Man, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of nasty. He's, he's, the idea is there's a kind of symbiotic thing that then merges with Tom Hardy, who's actually one of my favourite actors anyway. And yeah, he becomes a kind of superhero. <laughs> Please tell me that he's not a character. <laughs> he is the actor Tom Hardy. <laughs> in the fiction of this film, actor Thomas Hardy... <laughs> Gets symbioticized yeah. by an evil Spider-Man alien. Yeah, that yeah. sounds brilliant. I'd watch that. Anyway, so I went to see this film. There you were at this summer blockbuster. And within seconds of entering the film theatre and sitting down, I was getting nasty looks from other people in the theatre because the new Robin Hood trailer came on. The one with Jamie Foxx and that guy who was in um, Kingsman. That's exciting. And literally it started and it went, wow. <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> Honestly, wow. it was almost like you were channeling that trailer. It, it did the wow, and then it went into the salsa riff. Oh, God. I'm so glad. If people don't know why I'm laughing, it's because you're not a patron. How dare you? But yes, if you've been on the patron, you'd have seen John's absolutely fabulous beatboxing of a, of a movie trailer. It was like they ripped you off. Ah, I feel so validated. I really do. Or possibly, as you say, copyright infringed. But I was laughing like a drain the whole way through this thing and people were giving me such bad looks but it got worse oh do tell because venom's kryptonite is apparently the two to four kilohertz frequency range loud two to four kilohertz sound makes him go all mental and kind of start breaking up and stuff right wait so just a sec yeah go on uh, for a minute i i missed the killer in your hertz <laughs> so i was imagining someone going <laughs> and Venom just falling on the ground in agony. It's like, what a rubbish a, a, superhero kind of thing. 
Anytime there's... It's such a thing that makes no sense whatsoever because he goes through destroying loads of things. There's masses of two to four kilohertz in a building being destroyed or mm-hmm. an explosion happening. Or It was just, yeah, <laughs> such a silly idea. But whenever there's a kryptonite function in a superhero, it has to be used by the baddies at some point during the film. And so there are a couple of times where Venom is being tortured by the two to four kilohertz sound. Yeah. And so, of course, they have a close-up of a large volume control being turned up. Of course. And it's only the Mackie big knob. (laughs) (laughs) Mike! Oh, I lost it. And it happens twice. Zooms in right in on the the Mackie big knob. Let's knob him to death. No, no more knob, no more. They it's too big for me. They listen to the show. There is no other explanation. Oh again, I was getting such dirty looks from other people in the audience because it's meant to be like a thriller moment and there I am wailing away with laughter in the front row and there they are twisting their big knob indeed well I mean this reminds me because I was as you know uh, a member of the editorial department at Sound on Sound for uh, like five or six years absolutely and while I was reviews editor there the Mackie Big Knob review was in my section I had to deal with it okay and we in the editorial department had such fun one day <laughs> cramming this thing full of double entendre. It is possibly my finest piece of work during my SMS years is that Mackie Big Knob review. If anyone hasn't seen it, check out February 2005. Oh, you don't, you don't have an extract, do you? Here are the crossheads. You know the subtitles that you get through the article? Oh, please do. They say, in order. Yes. Whipping it out of the box. <laughs> then front panel is full frontal. <laughs> Then the kind of in-use section is at the helm. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion is polishing it off. (laughs) (laughs) This is how mature we are. (laughs) You're a bunch of children. I was going to say, like, this is... The thing is, we had the full cooperation of Paul White here, who was actually writing the interview. He put some crackers in the text, too. He came out with, inappropriate use of your big knob might get you into trouble. (laughs) And in his conclusion, Mm -hmm. he goes... Mackie, you've really pulled it off this time. The big oh knob stands proud. <laughs> oh. like this, is a, this is a serious magazine. This is a journal of audio. I'm amazed, actually, at the time that it went by with as little comment as it did, because we did our very best. As, yeah. Although, I'm glad to say that in January 2017... They updated the whole Big Knob range and they included other controllers. And I was proud to see that the spirit of the original Big Knob review had been continued. Because the headline of the news piece was, Mackie's Big Knob extended with three new models. (laughs) (laughs) Rarely has so much energy been expended. By so many people in the pursuit of knob gags at once. But it's it's great to see that it's still around and it's still keeping the Earth safe from alien supervillains. Yeah. And of course, a big warm hello to uh, anyone here from Ian Shepard's email list. He was sweet enough and kind enough to send out a plug last month. Oh, what a star. So thank you so very much for that. And um, I mean, there is one downside to that, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. It slightly concerns me is that someone with real critical listening skills is listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm not sure whether we could stand up to the Golden Ear Challenge. <laughs> oh, come on. Our, our beatboxing is on point. It's true. Although, okay, I have possibly some sucker for that ah. in that he called our show a great break from nerdiness. So I'm not sure if he's ever actually heard it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that fills me with relief. Takes the pressure off. I think we're good. Being the intrepid news hound that I am, I <laughs> picked up the phone to the SOS news editor to find out if he'd seen anything fun at the AES show. Oh, wait, so you've got a spy network out there. I do my tendrils are uh, reaching through the publishing community <laughs> to get only the juiciest <laughs> news items for Project Studio Team Break. What is the juiciest <laughs> pearl of news out there this month? Okay, well, this is a new product from a company called Pulse Setter Sounds. Apparently it's their first instrument, but they do cinematic sound design. That's what they do. Okay. Now, of course, the first thing you want to know about any instrument is what it sounds like. So what I've done is I've edited together the highlights of the official demo trailer. So we can all get an idea of the basic character of the sounds. So feast your ears.
So that's what it sounds like. There's mystery, there's <laughs> action. There's... Oh, there's, there's all sorts of atmosphere and things. And the question is, now you've conjured this sound world into your head. What do you think it's called? Ooh. What would be a suitable name for this kind of sound world, sound set? Was that hypothetical to the listeners or real and to John? Oh, no, that's real to you. I mean, we've played this game a little bit before in previous episodes, but <laughs> I feel it, it warrants another outing. I am champing at the bit for this one. I mean, I would call it... Thunder Crush. I would call okay. it Valkyrie Scream. Oh, yeah. I would call it Rumble God. I like all of those, but let me give you a clue, right? Okay, okay. There's a definite trend in sound libraries for it to be two words, one of which is an adjective, okay. and one of which is a noun. You know your, mm-hmm, your, mm-hmm. your distorted reality, your dark textures, your <laughs> um, twisted science. Okay, and it's okay. that model of name. So what do you reckon? Um, uh, uh, Pissy Titan. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? I'm a titan and I'm, and I'm... Oh, I get it. All right, right. Angry titan, yeah. Oh, let's just, just... Furious vengeance. I don't know. It's just so impossibly huge. <laughs> it's a wide target, isn't it? There's lots of things it could be called. They're roughly these kind of dark, sci-fi, thrillery kind of things, right? Okay. Mm. Now, obviously, I know what the real name oh, is. I cannot And wait. so did my parents and my daughters as we were taking a car drive together. We brainstormed about what other names could be as ridiculous as the name it actually has. Mm-hmm. So we came up with a shortlist for you. We'll see if you can pick out the real one. Oh, okay, brilliant. So, so thanks, thanks to the entire clan for this. <laughs> I've got four options here, right? Mm-hmm. The first one is Epic Babies, right? <laughs> epic Babies, okay. Second one is Vegan Suspense. Ah, oh, shudders, <laughs> shudders and shivers there, Mike. The third one is Electric Weasels. <laughs> And the fourth one is Gothic Sandwich. Oh, I was so expecting one to come along that I'd be like, well, well, that's that's the one. Okay, just to recap, we have Epic Babies, mm-hmm. Vegan Suspense, mm-hmm. Electric Weasels, mm-hmm. and Gothic Sandwich. Okay, right. So, Mike, what you are telling me is that someone put a lot of time, effort, and money. It's a professional-sounding library. It is, isn't it? They, they invested their professionalism, and they called it one of those names. Really? Yeah, really, really. Right, because they shouldn't have, is my first answer. <laughs> Whichever one it is, what they did was a mistake there. Um, God, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Gothic Sandwich, because... Okay, so what do you think might be the reasoning for Gothic Sandwich? Why, why might they put Sandwich in there if they were going to be making Gothic why. Sandwich? I don't even know why. It was quite Gothic. And it wasn't at all Sandwich, but 50% is the best any of these are going to do. Okay. Because the name of a sandwich is always the thing in the centre of it, all right? So at the centre, there's Gothicism. And yet on the top, they've got um, cinematography. And on the bottom... There's a choir. I don't know. I don't know. None of it makes sense. (laughs) Well, I've got good news and bad news. Okay, hit hit me up. (laughs) The good news is... I think you've put in a really good pitch for their second library. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not much of a good news right there. (laughs) And the bad news is that the real title of this sound library is Epic Babies. (laughs) Oh, no. And the reason it's called Epic Babies is because... Well, they had the gall to try and justify that decision. (laughs) Now, go on, then. Go on. Give Give me what they've got. All the sounds are processed samples of baby toys and baby noises. No. <laughs> and no. This, I just have so many questions about this. Me too. I mean, does the sound of that trailer say anything baby toys or baby noises to you? Not in a hundred years would I have guessed that. It's just generic sci-fi I know. thriller fodder. It's, I mean, it's not bad, but it, it's nothing to do with that. Yes. And, and also, like, okay... The big question for me is why? Like, there must be an easier way to make those noises. Unless by processing they mean that they record the baby sound, then they mute it, and they play something else on top of it, and then they just render that whole thing, and that's the sample. It's just ludicrous. It's like, why create a sound library that has babies in the title and say it's a bunch of baby toys in your press release and then have a sound library that has nothing that sounds anything like that? It's like if you wanted baby noises or baby toy noises, you'd be massively disappointed, wouldn't you? It's like, well, where are they? I mean, honestly, though, I would pay for a choir pad made out of wailing babies. I think that would be a, I think be a cracking sound, but it's not there. 
it's all kind of low drones and these percussion noises. Like, where did all that come from? Here's my best guess. That what, what was ordered was something for toy advertisements mm. and for diaper commercials and for, like, creepy bits in horror films in, like, abandoned <laughs> nurseries. And they said, all right, so... Here's a big list of baby sound samples. We're just going to send it off to our producer, yeah. a guy called Garrett. And his, his email is Garrett666Diablo, but I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> We're just going to send it off to him. He's just going to normalise them, yeah. make sure everything's fine. He's going to send them back to us. And he did. But then he processed all this rubbish stuff. And he, he sent it back to them and they said, right, okay, we can make this work. We can make this work, guys. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. It's all in the marketing. It's all in the what we say we're producing. I mean, the guy who developed this thing did a kind of introduction video for it where basically he admitted that he and his friends just all had kids at the same time. So basically, this is the sound of a bunch of sleep-deprived sound designers probably stoned out of their heads. <laughs> playing around with baby toys. I just love to see the footage of that recording I know, session. I know. Uh, let's try the uh, let's try the speak and spell now. <laughs> and they're all there with their microphones. <laughs> wow, this sounds great. <laughs> because anyone need biscuits? <laughs> exactly. It's I'm going to listen great. to it again now with an entirely new mindset. But the only thing that says babies about this product is the graphics of the virtual instrument that has that kind of creature suspended in formaldehyde with wires on it in some transparent tube. You know, you've seen that kind of sci-fi cliche. Yeah, absolutely. And it's got a baby in there with headphones on. <laughs> but the ridiculous thing about it is that it's wasting like half of the screen real estate is that. And the main controller page just has this big button with a dummy on it. <laughs> and to add insult to injury, next to this huge dummy thing that is like the big real-time controller thingy, mm. there's a little slider, a vertical slider for pan. <laughs> It's like, go on, go use a stupid dummy controller and then stick the pan thing vertically, which makes no sense to anyone. God. My curiosity got the better of me, and I've actually I pulled this up on my monitor as well because I had to see it. <laughs> and it is just incredible. As you say, there is a baby bobbing in a tank, and there is a huge pacifier button. <laughs> There's still quite a lot of space, it's got to be said, on either side of the main control. And that's been given to a distressed steel plate texture. <laughs> it's kind of riveted in the corners. Yeah. This is just not the most effective use of real estate. But great noises. I mean, you can switch that main panel to show like um, effects and, and envelope settings, I think, as well. But really, the top half never changes. <laughs> I don't know. But if I were creating the kind of cinematic music where I needed this library, I think I'd begin to get a bit freaked out by this baby bobbing in front of my eyes the whole time. Bobbing up and down. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a reasonable <laughs> attitude. <laughs> And it's a shame, really, because the sounds aren't too bad. Really you know, it's not. like, yeah, it's a good workaday library. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just it doesn't have any of the sounds you'd expect it to have, and um, <laughs> just random baby graphics. It, it's sort of like it's the um, cyberpunk remake of the Nevermind album by Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. Oh, crumbs. That's a great <laughs> image. Although I think they've maintained the baby's modesty in this one. They've still managed to be more sensitive yeah, than Nevermind. Yeah. They put it in a tank with tubes coming out of it, <laughs> and it's still gentler. Yeah, yeah. Time for our face palm of the month. And we've flipped a coin and drew straws, and it's on me. You face palmed it. I have face palmed it. This is one from a couple of years ago, <laughs> which my, my face is still aching from. My palm is still red. It was before you got your bespoke forehead guard <laughs> fitted. Exactly. That's, that's why I wear these gloves to this day. <laughs> these padded gloves. Plush. So I, I've spent various bits of my life touring with different bands. Oh, yeah. And something that will never get old, will never get predictable, is just the level of hospitality and generosity that comes from the people you go and see. Okay. It's, it's amazing to me because, you know, I'm a bit of a bar humbugger. I'm there, I'm being paid to be there. This is, this is my job, mm -mm. whatever my mum might think. Um, and, <laughs> and that's sort of the interaction. But that's just not how it goes, especially in smaller venues. Yeah. You realise that these are people who do this work because they like the music and they've asked you because they would like you to play. And they're excited. Wow, freaks. Weirdos, weirdos. <laughs> they, they still have joy in their heart and like they're going to a concert they like and they put it on. Yeah, yeah. And they just do things like make you incredible 
incredible sandwiches. Ah, right. Just, you know, look after you in a really wonderful way. Proper human stuff, yeah. Human stuff. It really, really is. You mention you're cold and then there are blankets in the green room. Oh, wow. I don't know where they kept the blankets, but there are, there are blankets all of a sudden. This all sounds great. Are we in the right segment? <laughs> <laughs> this is warm, fuzzy feelings, isn't it? I thought we just slipped into what's a jam by mistake. <laughs> Now, at festivals, this tends to happen on a larger scale. Yeah. And uh, in Canada, this tends to be more extreme. Okay. Because it's full of Canadians. Yeah, and that is a side effect of being in Canada, I've noticed. It is. It's crawling with them. <laughs> and I, hope that, I hope that's not wrong to say. But yeah, no, really, you cannot move for Canadians. So, <laughs> I was at a Canadian festival. Okay. And this particular one epitomised this um, generosity to artists <laughs> with its own massage tents. M- massage tents? Tents, plural, <laughs> in the in the artist areas, oh, right. where you could go at any point oh, fabulous. to get a massage for free. It's at this point that I begin to feel we're heading more into face palm zone. It's, it's the, I've seen this kind of thing before. The red flag has risen. Good. Okay, the creeping discomfort, it, it belongs. You're not wrong. That little discordant string line has started in the backing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go on. So we fly in and we're all a little bit exhausted. We've got a couple of hours before the show. They're going to go get something to eat and I'm like, no, I'm going to have a massage. You know yeah. what? I've, I've earned this. What better? I want a bit of pampering, so I do. I go and I get a great Swedish massage. In Canada? In, in Canada. God, so Canadian it- massage, not good enough for them. <laughs> I wish I had had a Canadian massage. Just get <laughs> lathered in maple syrup. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm never going to get that image out of my head. Oh, no. I used to like maple syrup, damn you. <laughs> dripping, dripping and glistening all over my body, Mike. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. So for anyone, who, for anyone who wants, you're welcome to imagine me covered in maple syrup for the remainder of this story. <laughs> Walking French toast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How we got onto that? We've diverted again. We, we tend to. It's just too strong an image. Whenever we converse, we tend to wind up with me covered <laughs> in, uh, in warmed up maple syrup. <laughs> Oh. Or, or some other condiment. <laughs> Massage wraps out. I'm more relaxed than I've been in weeks. My my instrument case weighs 20 kilos and yeah. the, the handle's uncomfortable and it bashes on my ankles. And, yeah. and my life is very hard, is basically what I'm telling you. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and the masseuse says, well, just relax here. I'm actually clocking off now, so you're welcome to just <laughs> like lie here and chill if you like. <laughs> Machiavellian levels of evil. I promptly fall asleep. Oh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> I know, I know, because that that had to happen. It that did. was a necessary thing that was going to happen. <laughs> Meanwhile, time keeps on passing. Shock horror. <laughs> <laughs> and our professional engagement for which we were there, the reason I was allowed to access this approaches. And uh, it's time to assemble backstage, ready to go on. Right. And the rest of the band while they may not like me, appreciates the degree of my necessity of being there. Mm. So, um, starts to panic somewhat. And runners are sent out to try and find me. My phone, set on silent in my bag on the floor, is is blowing up. <laughs> you didn't want to be disturbed in the middle of your massage. <laughs> of course not. Now, I, I want to make it clear, at this point, I'm not at all stressed. No, you're chilling. Like, at this point, I'm having a great time. This is the least stressful facepalm of all time. It really is. You didn't even know it was happening. No, I had no idea that I was screwing up as badly as I was. Eventually, someone thinks to check in the massage tent, a volunteer at the festival. So someone who's given up their weekend to work here and winds up chasing a dulcimerist. Yeah. And they find me and they ask me if I am John and I say that I am and they tell me what's happened and I am incredibly panicked and we sprint together to the stage where we're about to go on. Drops of maple syrup flying left and right. <laughs> Glistening rivulets. <laughs> mingling with the sweat of my brow if you insist (laughs) and and we get there and you know there's a fair few where the hell were you (laughs) and and that sort of things look it's a long story lads like john john John, what have you been up to (laughs) i'm well the the thing was you see uh, right i was i was getting this massage massage there was this syrup yeah but what about your phone why are you so sticky yeah but but then how come you're still there but you're well she clocked off and you're still there how did that before (laughs) this ill-fated conversation that you're describing could even start the volunteer says 
we sent him to the wrong stage. And I stand there silently. No, sure, let's go to wrap up. And the volunteer says, yeah, no, I'm sorry. He got given a wrong printout. We got the band names confused. It's totally on us. We're very sorry. And before anyone could examine this story. Oh my God. We were rushed on stage. The old sacrificial lamb stepped in. I know. I, know. I mean, we don't actually have our Project Unity Break t-shirt yet, but can we just print <laughs> one up specially just so we can send it to him? <laughs> We should, we should. Oh, wow. It feels like we need a new award, like facepalm saviour or something. I don't know what it is. Um, facepalm saint. This is, this is my facepalm saint. And this is why festivals are amazing and music fans are amazing and Canada is amazing. And let me guess, Rita, you married her. <laughs> no, precisely. I would have. Honestly, at that moment in time, yeah. Yeah. there wasn't a thing. If he just turned to me and said, oh, credit card? Yeah. <laughs> Without any resentment in my heart yeah. being like, yeah, no, fair. Fair, here you go. Have fun. <laughs> um, oh, well, I mean, that is like dodging a bullet massively. <laughs> it's dodging a palm. A palm fast and justifiably approaching my face. Palm dodging. There's got to be a new category for that. <laughs> uh, the missed face palm. The, the near miss, yeah. Well, a dodged face palm. That's got to be it. Maybe that's it. A dodge palm. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. A swoosh. The sound that it makes as it flies past your head. <laughs> Okay, so I would like to uh, start this Q&A segment by <laughs> thanking uh, the sponsor of Q&A, <laughs> Darius. The patron saint, Mike. Who's given us such a list <laughs> that we come to his, I think, his, his third question in his list, which is, would it ever make sense to record anything in an anechoic chamber? Hmm. And he gives a bracket, um, unless it is some experiment measurement thing or perhaps some special purpose set of samples. That's Okay, so first of all, Mike, give us a rundown. What's an anechoic chamber? An anechoic chamber is a special room that is designed with these special kind of bits of foam and acoustic absorption or whatever to try and get rid of any type of acoustic reflection in the room. I've never been in one myself, but I've seen pictures of them. When you go into one, you actually walk in on a wire mesh floor that is designed to be effectively acoustically transparent, not to generate any reflections. Mm. And the whole thing is surrounded by these weird, like, stalactites and stalagmites, and mm. they can, like, come off the walls as well, whatever those are called, wallamites. <laughs> and they... <laughs> Stalag whites. Wallamite, definitely wallamites. I've looked it up. To use the technical term. Um, <laughs> and they are designed to absorb as much of the reflection as possible. Mm. But the reason why they're not really used for many things to do with music is because walking into an anechoic chamber is a really, really unnatural experience. Mm. There's so little feedback from the room and it's so quiet that the noises of your own nervous system and your own blood pumping and things begin to become much more perceivable. Mm. And if you try and have a conversation in one, it's really, really difficult because most of the sound you hear from a conversation is actually reflected sound. And if you were recording any instrument, you just wouldn't get any acoustic feedback. From the reflections, absolutely. So yeah. you wouldn't get that. You'd only get stuff that's coming directly at you, which is really not much <laughs> in a lot, for a lot of instruments. <laughs> So I can see that will be difficult. I mean, the other issue is that without any acoustic reflections, you only ever get one perspective on the instrument from your microphone. Mm. Whereas in a reflective environment, you get all these different perspectives of the instrument bouncing off from different surfaces and mixing themselves at the mic. Mm. And so it gives a more rounded and holistic view of the instrument if you have a bit of reflection around it. So a lot of instruments sound better, particularly wooden-bodied instruments tend to sound better in that kind of a reflective environment for that reason. So I can imagine you would just faff around with mic positions for ages in an anechoic chamber and everything would sound thin and horrible. <laughs> and another thing about micing things up in a dead space is that when you move the microphone around, the difference in sound is more than you would normally expect. And small microphone positions make a big difference. Okay. It's not averaging it. You know, you're not getting these, these other reflections from different perspectives of the instrument that are averaging together with the direct sound to create this kind of general overall thing. So mic technique just gets more difficult. And I can imagine in an anechoic chamber, it would be horrendously difficult to get anything useful. <laughs> You'd probably have to multi-mic almost anything mm. just to get those different perspectives and, and fit them together. That makes a lot of sense and, and is useful studio advice. But this is Project Studio Tea Break. Mm. And we do not truck with useful studio advice here. So <laughs> we have an obligation to come up with something that would be good to do, something which would take advantage of an anechoic chamber, something that you want that degree of specificity. I mean, yeah. I, I have been in one, and they're horrible. Well, I mean, if it were well soundproofed as well, which they tend to be, mm. because they're test environments, I mean, surely that would be the ideal location to record bagpipes. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't you think? And then what you could do, you could take just a single mic, really, and place it outside of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd, you'd get probably a, a reasonably well-balanced and decent level of sound, yeah. Okay, so the, the unnaturally <laughs> loud instruments. I mean, Taylor, I would be very curious to hear, in an anechoic chamber, a microphone moving around an instrument that played. Okay, in real time. In real time. So you, you said it's swinging. Yeah. Because it's going to get such a different noise. As you say, it's not going to be subtle because it's not picking up some of everything from the reflections. It would be an extreme noise, all recognisably the same instrument, but such different timbres. It would. If you send it around a wooden body, something like a piano. So there are moments where you hear the hammers really loud. Couldn't you just, like, use an auto wah? <laughs> <laughs> You, you could, Mike. You could. Paul White used to say that, yeah, actually, I'm sure you could get a really good phaser effect by just holding onto the microphone cable while it's recording and just swinging it around. But yeah, if you could do it, yeah, why not? Why not? There's a great John Cage piece, actually, with swinging mics. It's so genius. Oh, right. It's just a microphone hanging directly above a speaker, out of which the microphone signal is being sent. Yeah. And you set up four of those, and at the same time, you send the microphone swinging over their own speakers. Yeah. And what you get is silence, and in the moment it passes over, you get a little whoop. Or feedback. Wow. And it's at different pitches depending on exactly the height of the mic and whatever. And as the as the swinging starts to go out of phase, you start getting That's really cool. It's very cool. I like that. I think it'd be even cooler actually if they were actually playing music or playing some sounds through those speakers and then you get in the phasing artifacts between the different spill elements and stuff. I think that'd be quite cool too. I think I'd prefer that as well. It wouldn't be quite as stark and minimalist and empty. And easy to do with an analog sequencer. You just get all these things and you think to yourself, that's a really difficult way to go about doing that. I mean, you've got the beatboxing skills. You've just beatboxed most of it there. <laughs> yeah, but hey, his look's cooler. The difficulty with Anagoic Chamber is that even the problem that it's trying to solve in musical terms is not that much of a problem. Hmm. It doesn't actually matter if you have a bit of room sound on a microphone signal, as long as it doesn't sound horribly coloured, hmm. or, or that there isn't a huge reverb tail on it. The room sound is usually something that you want rather than you want to get rid of. So it's, I find it difficult to think of any instrument where I'd want to get rid of it. Yeah. In fact, even if it's slightly coloured or boxy sounding... That uh, engineer, Richard King, mm. that I talked about uh, with, in relation to Chris Thiele, Yeah, he uses reverb to that effect. He used a short reverb with no pre-delay to make something that was recorded in a small room sound like it was in a bigger room. Oh, interesting. And it's, a, it's actually a really good trick. He basically compensates for the boxy early reflections by adding other early reflections that complement that and make it sound that it's not boxy. They fill in the gaps to make it not boxy anymore. That's really fun. I'm going to absolutely try that. So I guess what we're coming down to is that, is that it's an effect. And it's not an effect that you're normally going to want. but no. So maybe for something unsettling, maybe for a science fiction <sighs> movie trailer. As a performance thing, maybe, it would be good. I mean, just putting an instrumentalist in there to perform and recording their voice or whatever it is mm. just in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable <laughs> in the same way that you might do it with flashing lights on or whatever else. You get a different... I mean, someone would strain their voice more, wouldn't they? Darius, we are arguably coming up slightly dry on this one for you. Unless you have a bagpiper... Or a musician you dislike. These, these are our these are our two real go-tos for for how you can use that big anechoic chamber you've got kicking around. Actually, I've got a great story about making um, performers uncomfortable. Oh, hit me up. Um, this is Crowded House. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I read this or who I heard this from, but they were with some new producer and they wanted to throw the rule book out and try different things. And okay. one of the things that the producer suggested they tried was that they all perform naked. <laughs> And all props to the band, they were like, okay, let's do it. Good on them. So they all got butt naked with their instruments. <laughs> the problem was, apparently, Neil Finn was playing, I think it's a Telecaster, hmm. and on the back of the body are all those springs. Oh, <laughs> oh, God, mate. Oh, apparently, that's a horrible story. <laughs> apparently, when he took it off, there was this howl of agony because he took off half his hair at the same time. Mm. <laughs> that is... To hell with the take. I just want that scream. <laughs> that's going to be the new Wilhelm scream. It will, it will. Yeah, I would argue. <laughs> I would absolutely steal that. The clocks have changed, the evenings are dark, it's getting 
chilly and blustery, all the leaves have turned. Chestnuts are roasting on an open fire. Bread will not cut it anymore, guys. Bread is not going to keep you warm, it's not going to keep you cosy, and it's not going to have any crunch to speak of. No. Poor support for melted butter, too. Poor support for melted butter. I mean, you'd have to microwave it, and that would be disastrous. Oh, oh, God, just, just, don't, just don't even go there. Just grab yourself a skillet, a kamal, or a toaster, and get yourself some toast. Now, it's funny you should mention that. Because <laughs> I feel like our toast foley has been concerned so far with the object itself, with the toast. This is true. But, I mean, you cannot have a piece of toast without a toaster. And so, I've deliberately brought in my special foley toaster. <laughs> in honour of our eighth episode, I'm going to give us the, the sproing of my Foley toaster. Here it comes. I'm just going to get, get lined up for best. I mean, I've got obviously I've got to find the best miking angle for this. I cannot. I mean, wait. it's Kenwood, and I, I thought Kenwood did high fives too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, there's a link. Really? This is a high five toaster. <laughs> right, here it comes. It's quite good. <laughs> it's undeniably a brief toast. It is. Um, and it also sounds like a haunted bagatelle board. <laughs> I think would be my my first guess if you're in that out of context. But yeah, in context, yeah. God, I'm just I'm reaching for the jam. That's good. Well, in which case, uh, seeing as you have that jam in hand, tell us more about this jam of yours. What is your jam this month? God, maple syrup all over my body and jam in hand. This is a <laughs> weird old episode we're making here, Mike. Uh, my jam this month is a wonderful man by the name of Tom Lehrer. Now, do you know Tom Lehrer at all? Never heard of his name. Tom Lehrer. Okay, right. Tom Lehrer. He is a singer and a pianist, kind of active in the 1950s and 60s, primarily. Okay. And that's about as far as I'm comfortable getting without being able to find the Word document where I've made notes. Oh, all right. My organisational method is to have about 30 to 40 Word documents open at any one time. I think it's in the massage tent. <laughs> no, it was sent to the wrong stage, um, so that's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, that's... Thank you. So, Tom Lehrer was born in 1928. Okay, right. It's vintage. Vintage. This is a, a throwback. He went to Harvard at age 15. Blimey. So, a very relatable individual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he started writing funny songs in order to fit in. Okay, right. Like humorous songs. Humorous songs, which are, to me, such an absolute minefield. Funny songs are difficult, yeah. Do you have any humorist or satirist musical artists who you enjoy, who you can just sit down and listen to? Oh, it's difficult. There aren't many funny songs that I can listen to more than once. Yeah. Probably my favourite one is Weird Al Yankovic's version of In the Army Now. Have you heard that one? <laughs> I have. I have. I went through a brief and deeply shameful phase where I was very into Mr. Al. That's probably my favourite one. We'll have to put a link for that because it's short, it's to the point, <laughs> and it just is brilliant. Oh, one of my very, very favourite ones is the Saturday Night Live one with Justin Timberlake. In a box. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is worthy of repeat viewing. And of course, a lot of the Spinal Tap stuff is fabulous. <laughs> it's very funny. I, I lose my shit every time I listen to Cups and Cakes. <laughs> it is just too good. How the hell did they parody that so beautifully? So fantastically well. But it is a minefield. I mean, I listen to a lot of um, Radio 4, mm -hmm. and they often have musical numbers on the Now Show. Mm -hmm. And I can only think of one that I thought was funny, mm -hmm. and that was one where someone was rhyming everything he possibly could with, with Angela Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just brilliant. I would listen to that. Yeah, again, that's another one. We have to put the link up because it's really, really good the way he does it. So it is a minefield. And I think I've worked out why, at least to some extent. Okay, right. Give me a theory. What you will normally do is that you'll have your first verse or your kind of two first verses setting up a joke. So they'll more or less sound like everything's normal. Mm. And then your punchline comes in, whatever, around 50 seconds yeah. with the chorus. And you kind of pull this prank and you're like, ah, actually I was singing about this or here's the pun we've been building up to or whatever it is right yeah i get it and that's really fun to listen to problem is then you've got to go back to a verse uh, at this yeah. point the big reveals happened yes and so that's a difficult verse to get through but if you manage if you slog all the way through that verse again you've got to do the chorus again and it repeats. And that will kill any comedy you had left. It's tricky. Saying like, hey guys, remember that joke you enjoyed 25 seconds ago? Here it is again. Just with more gurning and, and hamming it up. <laughs> there you go. I'm just pushing it further. Definitely difficult. It's a trap weird Al falls into occasionally. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's a hard, hard thing to do. 
Tom Lehrer does it. He does it very, very well. Oh, right. Excellent. Fabulous. He excels. Oh, wow. Time-wise, before Tom Lehrer, you had Flanders and Swan, Victor Borger. Further back than that, you had Cole Porter. Yeah. These style of songs were humorous rather than funny. Yeah, they were kind of witty and urbane and words like that. Urbane is, oh my God. I've been searching for a word to describe why I don't like Cole Porter. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you've just landed on it. What do birds do it? Bees do it. Yeah. That song, to me, it's not witty. The entire joke, sex. The whole thing is just that. And um, actually, Tom Lira has a much better version of almost that exact same song. What Tom Lira did is, is he was part of the 60s gross-out comedy counterculture nonsense. Right. So his most famous song begins, Spring is here, spring is here, life is skittles and life is beer. I think the most wonderful time of the year is the spring. I do, don't you? Of course you do. (laughs) And it transpires that this song is about poisoning pigeons in the park. (laughs) His favourite pastime. Fabulous. And the reason that it works is that it's just a jolly and cheerful song about killing animals. And that joke doesn't get old. It's horrifyingly sadistic. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll, we'll murder them all amidst laughter and merriment, except for the few we take home to experiment. Sung with a huge smile on his face. His version of um, Birds Do It, Bees Do It is called I Got It From Agnes. It's the, the question is what it is. But go on then. Well, no, this is a genius of the song. Because the song goes, I got it from Agnes, she got it from Jim. We all agree it must have been Marie who gave it to him. And, and on and on. It's just, it's a list song. It's almost Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, and gradually you realise that it, it's some sort of venereal disease. But, and, and then he talks about people getting it from dogs. But it's oh. the rudest song in the world. And he doesn't say a single rude word. Yes. I loved it as an eight-year-old because I just thought it was a fun song. I love that kind of humour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason I love I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue because they do that so well. Yeah. It's that thing of letting the listener do the rude stuff for you. And it's only funny (laughs) because the listener fills in the gap. Exactly. Um, Great. He was a huge influence and he, to my mind, brought to life like people like Tim Minchin. Right. There would be no Tim Minchin without Tom Lira. Friday the Concords to a lesser extent because they're not as biting satire. He he got very (laughs) political in his later career. Yeah. Still, I don't think that I don't think musical comedy would be as much a thing if it weren't for him. Fab, I must check him out. You, you absolutely must. Funnily enough, this discussion reminds me of, of the first record I ever mixed, which was, um, you know, a band called The Wild Hearts? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, kind of a indie rock band of the 90s. Okay. Really UK-centric, but they were very kind of influential in the UK. And mm. the guy who was the lead singer and the, the songwriter of that, a guy called Ginger, he then, after The Wild Hearts had disbanded, rigged up with some other guy and did this really weird one-off duo project where they both kind of role-played as psychotic clowns or something. <laughs> they had a whole bunch Good. They had a whole bunch of really, really weird songs. But one of them was a song he wrote for another singer. Uh, this, this woman came in and sang it, and it was like a country waltz ballad kind of thing. Mm. And the whole song was about how all of her previous husbands had died in freak accidents. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all these ways. And that basically the only way she'd managed to break the curse... Was, was to start going out with women instead. And this has got one of my favourite lines in all of popular music. It ends with, And now I'm surviving because I'm muff diving. I'd like you all to meet Anne-Marie. <laughs> it's just, it's genius. Oh, that's not bad. And it sounds like it did kind of the way out the trap is to just have a story, to have, like, something going on that people want to keep listening to, something beyond the joke. And that can have lots of fun examples along the way. Mm. I mean, there are lots of ways out of that trap. It's like, you, you said they like the chorus repeating. Mm. One really good way to do it is to make it that you have a refrain bit of the chorus that then can have varying bits that come in between. Mm. I'm, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I can easily imagine that kind of idea. You have a, whatever your hook line is, and then there's some comment in between, and then the hook line again, and then there's some comment in between. I can imagine that working. But the second verse is definitely the killer, isn't it? Coming back to the, the verse texture when everyone knows the, the payoff. Coming back down. And making that work. Yeah, everyone knows what's coming. Weird Al Yankovic actually has a good version of what you were just saying. He Have you come across his cover of Complicated? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, I like that song. I must check it out. It's really great because the joke becomes each chorus he's got to find a different word that would have rhymed with complicated. <laughs> 
And the song is one continuous story. So he's just got to get from related to decapitated to whatever in the in the course of one verse. And it's really fun watching him like leap through narrative hoops. Well, I mean, this is where I like the Angela Merkel song. Because he just runs out of rhyme pretty quickly and just has to get more and more absurd with it. Yeah I, yeah, I think that's another way out of the trap, isn't it? Setting yourself a mission, a task. It is. Yeah. An unbeatable yeah. task. And seeing what you can get away with. So yeah, Tom Lehrer. Also, didn't come up organically, but um, he claims to have invented the jello shot. The jello shot? The jello shot. He claims whilst in the military, as a way to circumvent liquor regulations, he invented the jello shot. Alcoholic jelly. Alcoholic jelly. Oh, wow. Fabulous. Unconfirmed, but it is a claim. Also, one of his songs has been sampled on a two chains track so i mean that's cool it's like Chaz and dave being sampled on um my name is no they weren't yeah that eminem track is a sample of a Chaz and dave song f off is that a song of a Chaz and... are you serious <laughs> it totally is how did i love that yeah. song how did i not the Chaz and dave one how did i not know this <laughs> well i don't know i think i've got a certain amount of respect for Chaz and dave but yeah Chaz and dave were sampled for I, I guess we're gonna do the podcast but all i want to do is go to youtube <laughs> and look up my name is Chaz and dave and listen to this So sadly, another episode draws to a close. It's that time again. Wipe that tear from your eye. <laughs> but Wipe that maple syrup off your arms. <laughs> really, guys? They're just following your advice. We're not going to keep going until you wipe the maple syrup off. We're waiting. <laughs> we can wait. We can wait all day. You know, this is hurting the other listeners more than it's hurting us. Who's humming? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's just time to thank this month's sponsor, Hair Bro, who are specialists in... Um, top-of-the-range custom hair replacement systems for the uh, discerning gentleman. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the studio market isn't their core market, <laughs> but what they've recognised is that some engineers' sideburns give them an unfair advantage. <laughs> Just acoustically speaking. <laughs> Tell me more, Mike. <laughs> well, science has proved uh -huh. that, that they absorb rogue reflections, you know, they reduce comb filtering at the ear canal... <laughs> And they, they can protect against fatiguing high frequencies for longer sessions and, and uh -huh. filter and blend and diffuse the frequency spectrum <laughs> to make it more representative uh, as a listening experience. <laughs> but obviously, this means that it's really not a level playing field. I mean, those of us who are less hirsute than others, or of course, any women engineers, <laughs> but they've decided they're going to level the playing field. They're not going to allow this inequality to exist. Okay, exciting. And so they've come out with their new range of dedicated studio hair pieces, <laughs> created in close collaboration with a number of well-known audio engineers. So they've got a complete range here. It's at the top of the range, fully featured products like the, the Rubin or the, or the Sheps models <laughs> that have the full bushy thing going on. Yep, yep. If you want something a little bit more portable, a little bit more lightweight. So easy to pack down, yeah. You can go for maybe the Wallace or the, the Kramer or the Puig. These are all different designs that, that are available. True. I mean, the downside, of course, for, for Project Studio listeners is that these high-end hair systems can be pretty pricey. It's true, it's true. But the reason why they're sponsoring us today is that they want to make the exciting announcement that they are considering going into the Project Studio. Oh, brilliant. And I have been working with them, and Warren Hewart as well, <laughs> on a dedicated sideburn modelling project for something a bit more lightweight, cheaper. Okay, okay. So if the full facial situation is not practical for you, then maybe sideburns. Yeah, yeah. Easily switchable. I'm going to have the Mixing Secrets brand one, and, and he's going to do the Produce Like a Pro brand. Mm -hmm. In fact, I even heard reports that there might be a, a spray on Graham Cochran stubble. <laughs> Well, that's another, <laughs> another option. <laughs> another option. Absolutely. The aerosol. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I, 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 I think like Stephen Slate much. is also in talks about that one. <laughs> but with him, they have a special template that you have to hold up onto your face to get it into the correct shape. In the correct, well-stenciled angles. Yeah, yeah. To keep a close eye on their website and the press releases. I won't be going anywhere else on my internet browser. And of course, uh, thanks very much to them for, for sponsoring the, uh, the podcast so generously. Thank you so much. Well, it's a kind of a commercial tie-in, really. The, the, <laughs> Mixing Secrets brand sideburns. I'll have to get myself a couple. Now, here's my only question, Mike. Someone who has a bit of acoustically bankrupt facial hair already, like myself. Now, this has not been well designed. This is not yeah. set up 
for the studio. Yeah. I mean, the physics just don't work. No. Now, if I want to grab hold of some of these sideburns, am I going to have to shave space for them? Or can I just put them on top of the existing hair? Well, it's, it's tricky. I mean, obviously, this is uh, early days for this new technology. And mm. I think for anything more custom or bespoke like that that isn't just off the shelf, I think you, you would need to consult an acoustic beard design consultant. Right. I mean, the thing is, I live in southeast Berlin, so there are probably genuinely several of those within like a 10-minute walk of where I live. It's a hot spot there for acoustic beard design. Oh, phew. We'd, uh, we'd nearly managed to get a whole episode without me mentioning I lived in Berlin, but yeah. snuck it in at the 11th hour. squeezed it in there right at the end. <laughs> As ever, you can find us on Facebook at PSTB Books, uh, or you can find us on Twitter at PSTB Tweets. Come join the bustling, if nascent, community <laughs> of uh, fanatical breakers on there. <laughs> and we have an email address, tbreak at projectstudiotbreak.com. Yes, we do. As you'll know, we have a Patreon site, and we are now committing to having new Patreon content every Friday. So we'll have weekly content now for dedicated tea breakers. Every single week. Every week. There's, and already since last episode, we've had our, our news report of the Wazinator dropkick and various other Wazinators that <laughs> really are <laughs> kind of X-rated. Um, uh, we've had our top tips for experienced gifts for, for, for audio engineers, various other audio tip bits, and plenty of double entendres in case there weren't enough in this episode. Mm-hmm. Also, as you of course you know, our... Theme music is from the band Spectacularsius. Heroes. And I have finally, after multiple face palms, completed <laughs> mixing their album, which should be out by the time this episode drops. Oh, exciting stuff. What's it called? Where can I find it? The title and everything isn't quite finalised yet. And of course, we're recording this before, the, before it's released. So. Okay, great. That'll be on the Twitter. That'll be on the Facebook. But the record our theme music is taken from is a Christmas album. <laughs> and this is going to be the December episode of the podcast. So. Oh, of course it is. In order to create the theme music, I took the vocal part out of it. And can you guess what the song is that it comes from? I can't. I've absolutely not a clue. (laughs) No idea. It's Frosty the Snowman. Is it actually? (laughs) (laughs) So just this episode, in honour of the season, I think we'll play out with a final bit of theme music that includes a little bit of the lyric for you. I was going to say, can we please? If you want to get the full version, head over, and it's actually on their previous record, a record called Ten. Brilliant. I hadn't thought that this, of course, is our December episode. It is. Huge thank you to everyone for listening. This is my first podcast. I know Mike has dabbled before. Repeat offender. <laughs> Repeat offender. But it's been really fun. And if it weren't for you, we'd just be two sad, lonely men shouting in their bedrooms. As opposed to what? <laughs> Look, you know what? Let's not get too deep into that. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll, Bye. we'll see you next time. Oh, Frosty, the snowman had a hurry on his way But he waved goodbye saying, don't you cry I'll be back again someday Oh, I'll be, I'll be back again someday